0: We have several scriptures this morning, and I know we've been reading this one a lot, but it really figures in, and it's really kind of at the heart of this whole thing with the false gods that we make in our lives. So we'll begin with Genesis chapter 3. And I just want to ask a real quick question, and I can't promise that I will... Start doing it immediately because it takes me time to develop new habits. But would folks appreciate it if I had a basically a transcript of the scriptures that I'm reading up here? Or do you prefer to read them in your Bible? Is there any preference whatsoever here? Just by a raise of hands, would people want it up here or do you like to have it? So, okay, well that's fine. We'll, we'll think about it. I'm reading from the Bible, from the Bible for everyone translation again. And it says, now the snake was the shrewdest of all the creatures of the wild that Yahweh God had made. It said to the woman, did God really say you will not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat of the fruit from the trees in the garden, but from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, God said, you will not eat of it and you will not touch it so that you don't die. The snake said to the woman, you won't die at all. Rather, God knows that on the day you eat of it, your eyes will open and you'll become like God's knowing good and bad. The woman saw that the tree was good to eat and that it was an object of longing to the eyes and the tree was desirable for giving insight. So she took of its fruit and ate and also gave some to her man with her and he ate. The eyes of the two of them were open and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They heard the sound of Yahweh God walking about in the garden in the breezy time of the day. So the man and his woman hid from the face of Yahweh God among the trees in the garden. Yahweh God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I ordered you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put with me, she gave to me from the tree and I ate. Yahweh God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? The woman said, The snake, it deceived me, and I ate. Yahweh God said to the snake, Because you've done this, you're cursed away from all the wild animals and creatures of the wild. On your stomach you'll go, and soil you'll eat all the days of your life. I shall put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He'll hit you on the head and you'll hit him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I shall make very great your pain in connection with pregnancy in painfulness. You'll give birth to children towards your man will be your desire, but he'll rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to the voice of your woman and ate from the tree I ordered you, you will not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. In pain, you'll eat from it all the days of your life. Thorn and thistle, it will grow for you and you'll eat plants of the wild. By the sweat of your face, you'll eat bread until you go back to the ground because you were taken from it because you were earth and you'll go back to the earth. The man named his woman Hava Eve because she became the mother of every living person. Yahweh God made for Adam and his woman leather coats and clothed them. But Yahweh God said, here the man has become like one of us and knowing good and bad. So now he must not put out his hand and also take from the life tree and eat and live permanently. So Yahweh God sent him from off from Eden Garden to serve the ground from which he'd been taken. So Yahweh God drove the man out. And made the sphinxes dwell east of the of Eden Garden, with a sword-like flame whirling to keep the way to the life tree. In Revelation chapter six, verses seven and eight, John of Patmos writes and says, "When the Lamb opened the fourth seal." I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. As I looked, there was a pale horse and its rider's name was Death. Hades followed along behind him. They were given authority over a quarter of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with death. And by means of Earth's wild animals. And lastly, Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Paul writes and says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one human being and death through sin, and in that way, death spread to all humans in that all sinned. Sin was in the world, you see, even in the absence of the law, though sin is not calculated when there is no law. But death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over the people who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam had done. Adam, who is the imprint of the one who would come. But it isn't as the trespass, so also the gift. For if many died by one person's trespass, how much more has God's grace and the gift in grace through the one person, Jesus, the Messiah, abounded to the many? And nor is it As through the sin of the one, so also the gift. For the judgment which followed the one trespass resulted in a negative verdict. But the free gift which followed many trespasses resulted in a positive verdict. For if by the trespass of the one... Death reigned through that one. How much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of covenant membership of being in the right reign in life through the one man, Jesus, the Messiah? So then, just as through the trespass of one person, the result was condemnation for all people, even so, through the upright act of one person, the result is justification, life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one person, many receive the status of sinner, so through the obedience of one person, many will receive the status of in the right. The law came in alongside so that the trespass might be full filled out to its full extent. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more so that just as sin reigned in death, even so. Through God's faithful covenant justice, grace might reign to the life of the age to come through Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'm going to do something a little different. And uh, I don't promise that I'm going to do this every Sunday. But once in a while, I think we need it. And especially considering the. The subject matter of what we're dealing with today. I think we need it all the more today. And there's a little something. Maybe you've heard it before. And if you have just follow along. And so if I say God is good. You say all the time, all the time. and all the time. God is true. All right. So we need that once in a while. We need that reminder as we go into this today. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at the many false gods that exist in our world. And what I've gone through up to this point is not uh, mutually exclusive or all inclusive actually is what I should say because there are many types of things that can become like a god in our lives. But in essence materialism and desire run unchecked and lust for power those three really include the bulk of all of the ways that we can end up committing you know, yeah, there's probably some other ways we could look at it. But these three cover a lot of ground when it comes to the issue of idolatry in our lives. So we've looked at these big three, as I like to call them, as N.T. Wright likes to refer to them, of wealth, sex, and power. And as we have seen, they are not intrinsically bad, okay, None of these three things are intrinsically bad. God made all of them. God made material wealth. God gave us the desires that we have. And God gives us power. Anything God gives is going to be good initially, but we can twist it. Okay? And when we look at the state of our world today, there's been a lot of twisting. These things that are not inherently bad become corrupting influences when they take on godlike status in the lives of people. Through Christ, and, and as I've gone along, each one of these three, I've tried to do basically negative and positive. Through Christ, we can all be freed from these false gods and once again reclaim them for the purpose for which they were made. And we've been doing that up to this point. But I haven't talked about it a whole lot, but I think I've been hinting at it. There is one more false God that we need to deal with. And it is intrinsically bad. It is not redeemable. And that is the false God that is death. Death is the great result of sin entering into the world. We see in Genesis that because humanity wanted to do it their way rather than God's way, because humanity walked away from a life of communion with God, the source of all life, death comes into the world. Paul tells us that through one man, sin and death became part of the lives of everyone and everything. It is inescapable. And I think we're all painfully aware of that. really talked about this up to this point, And this might seem an odd thing for a pastor to say, but I really, really do not like funerals. I do not like funerals at all. So maybe I picked the wrong profession. Now, this is not because I have anything against the deceased. Now, I've got my own opinions on uh, what the point of a funeral is Uh, I think it's not so much for the person that's uh, being remembered, but for those that are doing the remembering. And there's some things that we do that I think are kind of odd, but that's a different conversation. But what I really don't like about funerals is what the funeral represents. It is a reminder to us that the renewal of all things has not come yet. It is a reminder to us that death still holds at least some amount of sway in our lives, at least our lives as they are now. I consider myself to be a very literal resurrectionist, okay? And what I mean by that is this. I am far more interested in what happens in the very end when everything is made new and God makes new heavens and new earth and we are resurrected bodily from death. I believe in a bodily resurrection. All right, I don't believe in a metaphorical one. I believe in a bodily resurrection. I put far more importance on the resurrection, both of Jesus and on all of us when Christ comes again, than on the importance of where we end up immediately after, I, after we die. Now, I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. I'm going to hopefully calm some. Nerves here in just a second. But what you have to understand is when we die, where we end up in that immediate moment, however you want to call it, is temporary. If you look at the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, you get this really clear sense that it is temporary. And if you have any doubts about that, please make sure and come back next week because this is definitely a two-parter here. And I apologize, but I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger today. I try not to do that too often, but I am doing that today. So please forgive me. Now, yes. All right. I'm going to calm the nerves here. I do thoroughly believe that when we die, as Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me. In paradise. So when we die, I believe we will go and be where Jesus is right now. Okay? We can call that a lot of different things. Actually, if you look in the New Testament, uh, it's not called heaven that often, but we can call it heaven. The word really doesn't matter. I like the word paradise. I think that in some ways sums up more of what it is. We can call it heaven, we can call it paradise. We can call it the good place, whatever you want to call it, that works for me. But one of the things you get, and especially if you read the whole book of Revelation, you really, really get this, is that although where we are at immediately after we die, when we are in Christ, here are the things that we get to know. We will not want, we will not hurt, but there is this indication that we will not be complete yet. You get these images of the saints crying out for justice to be done, especially on the martyrs who have died for Christ. They're crying out for some kind of justice to be done. In essence, we want to see the bad things undone. We want to see good win. Death robs us of something. It robs us of the ability to do our vocation of being God's image bearers in the world. Death also reminds us that we are not yet who we are supposed to be. Death reminds us that we are not perfected yet. I'm a Wesleyan and I do believe in some modicum of what we would call Christian perfection. But we don't get to experience the full thing in this life as it is now. But most of all, let's face it, death cuts us off from the people that we love. That's the big one. It takes something away from us. It's the great division between the creation as it is and the creation that is to come. It reminds us of our sin. It's an ever-present reminder that something is not right in the world. The world is broken. And guess what? We did it. Paul makes it very clear, you know, maybe we didn't do the original breaking, but we are part of it nonetheless. It reminds us of our sin that we are not yet worthy to come into the presence of God, at least not on our own merits. Now, some people might take issue with calling death something akin to a false God. But what is death? It is the result of the fall. It is the unbreakable consequence of sin. If anything deserves to be called the slave master of humanity, it is death through its ultimate maker, sin. And all of the other false gods that we've talked about up to this point, Really they are all when the things of this creation take on godlike status in our lives, they essentially become shadows of death. What happens when we let greed run our lives or is a part of our soul that dies? When we let our desires rule us, we become like animals, and it doesn't take much to see how being enslaved by desire. Has literally killed people. I mean from consequences of drug abuse and STDs and I can go on and on. When we take the things that God has given us and twisted them out of their place. Death reigns. And every day we turn on the television and see what happens when people misuse their power. People literally die by the thousands. The goal of Satan has always been to return the creation to chaos. And death through sin is how he has done it throughout all of history. Death is described in the book of Revelation as a dreaded horseman out to reap the fields of humanity and claim them for his own. And until Christ, the fate of the dead were all the same. Alright, if you look in the Old Testament and you look at David and Solomon, they realize that without the hope of a redeemer, we all end up in the same place. Doesn't matter how good we try to be. The ancient Jews called it Sheol, the shadowy realm of death. The Greeks gave it personification and called him Hades. Again... Both good and bad come under his empire. If you look in uh, Greek mythology, it kind of mirrors the Jewish belief that it doesn't matter how good or bad you've been, you end up in this shadowy netherworld where no light ever comes. And this might be a little bit eye-opening for you. The word that we tend to use for it, hell, is neither Greek nor Hebrew, It's actually Scandinavian, and it refers to the Norse goddess of hell who ruled over the realm of the dead. Death, Hades, hell are all the same, and they are indiscriminate. He takes old and young, rich and poor, and none can escape. We live in a society that is captivated by death. From our entertainment to our propensity for violence, death is very much ruling as a god in our culture. This glorification of violence is often masked as a caricature of patriotism or religious fervor. But it's just that, a caricature. A distorted form of The real thing, real patriotism and love for your country and zeal for the true faith is good. But when it produces violence, it has succumbed to the power of death. Next week, we will look in detail at how Jesus delivers humanity from enslavement to the false God death. But not only that. How he defeats death once and for all. But for our good news today, let us return to Romans. God cancels out the power of death when Christ goes to the cross. Christ dies in order that death might be defeated. And it's at the cross that Christ is crowned king of the universe. It's at the cross that Jesus actually defeats death. We just don't get to see the announcement until the resurrection. Death is overthrown. Hell is defeated. And the true God is revealed in the suffering and death of his Messiah on the cross. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Because a victory such as this doesn't happen just overnight. The revealing of it will take three days. Amen.